Okay, only as I get my edges situated to share with you something extraordinary that just happened before the beginning of our Mass, something for which you all get credit, because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't know what I didn't know. All glory be to God, all thanks to you. There was a, a young couple, a young man and a young woman, standing in the back when I first came in, and they smiled, and, and they looked like this couple that had asked me to marry them come J July out in D.C. I thought, what are you doing here? Well, it wasn't them. It, uh, it was a young man and a young woman, and the young man had just entered the church eight days earlier at the Easter Vigil, and he said what was transformative in his conversion was, I don't know, some homily I, I gave, I guess, about abortion, and uh, somehow it must have been live stream. None of this would have happened, but for you, and you get credit, uh, keep the faith, keep being a witness of faith unto martyrdom, it's coming, um, glory be to God, and God, I wish I could even tell you their names, uh, but what we do matters. I know you know that. Did I, did I make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, family, there's a simple preface to our meditation today, which I tried to make shorter. We learn right from wrong by being taught right from wrong. Jesus, the Lord, taught right from wrong in parables, but he also, and make no mistake about this, because in our day and age where everybody's afraid of offending somebody, he taught, our Lord taught, right from wrong by using examples of good people and by using examples of bad people. And as you well know, the worst examples that Jesus mentioned were the clergy of his day. Oh yes. In just a moment, we'll consider two examples of right and wrong by using clergy as an example. And it is altogether fitting and proper that we do this just like Jesus did. As you know, in the, in the Novus Ordo, today is Divine Mercy Sunday. And I know you know this, but let us be clear, our Catholic Church has seven spiritual works of mercy, and two of them are instruct the ignorant and admonish the sinner. Everybody's afraid of doing that. It is an act of mercy to admonish a sinner, and no clergy is above it, no matter what color or cassock they wear. It doesn't cause division by pointing out the error that shepherds are misleading people. That doesn't cause division. They're already causing the division. Speaking then of divine mercy, dear family, we have a new framed picture of divine mercy, much larger and more fitting for its place of prominence above the confessional to where we go to repent and from whence we receive forgiveness. I think Mr. Luce is going to have it up there after, after Mass. What a providential and perfect time to ponder that divine mercy on a day when in the Novus Ordo we hear our Lord proclaim. It might have been in this one too, but it was in Latin. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I just remember Thomas uh, here. Anyway, he said to them, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. From the beginning of the Catholic Church until the second coming, the shepherds of the church have been sent out to be ministers of sacramental grace 
that restores us to a state of grace. And we, ne we never, ever should fear entering into the sacrament of mercy where Jesus longs to gather us back to him as that mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. Now, some people may like to call St. Faustina's diary private revelation, but it is approved, dear family, by the Catholic Church precisely because what Jesus said to her about a hundred years ago, he said to all in the beginning of the Catholic Church 2,000 years ago. For example, in St. Faustina's diary, number 1059, we hear this. Sinful soul, have no fear to approach me. For even if it had more sins than there are grains of sand in the world, all would be drowned in the unmeasurable depths of my mercy. Then I may have quite a few sins. And sometimes I think I very well might be the worst sinner in this house, but I am certain that I do not have quite so many sins as there are grains of sand. And that applies to you too. So the good news of the gospel pouring forth from the side of Jesus on the Holy Cross, of which we are reminded every time we humbly gaze upon that picture of divine mercy above the confessional. The good news of the gospel is that no matter what we have done, and no matter how many times we have done it, all of it is drowned in the immeasurable depths of his divine mercy as long as we turn back to him in repentance. So why is it, do you suppose, that any Catholic, any baptized Catholic does not just run and plunge into those unmeasurable depths of God's mercy found in the Sacrament of Reconciliation? Well, the main reason is that many do not even think they are sinners, which partly is a direct result of the fact that since Vatican II, that they may not, they, may, they not only have not been told about sin by many shepherds of the church, but also partly due to the fact that they've committed the sin of omission by failing on their part to do, to study their faith on their own, because the shepherds can't do everything, you know this, even faithful shepherds can lead a horse to water, but they can't make him drink. So as a consequence, many people do not think they are sinners, or at least bad sinners. And after 50 years of the post-Vatican II tripe, the many have developed this attitude that I've spoken of before. Well, I didn't murder anybody, therefore I guess I'm good, good enough to go to heaven. All we have to do to disavow ourselves of that misconception is look at any of the 2,000 years of martyrs. Oh, the minute we get the attitude that we're good enough is the very minute that we're not. Over the past almost 13 years, I've, I've heard way more than enough confessions, as has any priest, to recognize just how prevalent is that attitude among many Catholics. Many shepherds have utterly failed to teach people that there is a hell, and people actually do go there. Jesus said many go there, few go to heaven. 
And, they, and that happens because they don't repent of their true sinfulness. And their family, you and I know better. We know better. Just all we have to do is look at a crucifix. And we know that Jesus, Son of God, did not endure all that pain and all that suffering of the passion because sometimes we're impatient, maybe gossip a little, forget our evening prayers. The family, we're sinners. We all are sinners. And all of us are very much in need of repentance and forgiveness. We know we all have quite a sand pile to drown in that immeasurable depths of God's mercy. Have you ever doubted? Just stop for three minutes, not three hours like on Calvary, but three minutes, and dare to look in the face, right into the eyes of Jesus on the cross, and let his eyes look back into your own. And while he looks back into your own eyes, ponder, ponder the number of betrayals we have made to the divine love that put him on the cross in the first place. If it was not for nothing that Jesus suffered the passion, but you would never know it by virtue of the lack of earnest confessions amongst many Catholics that leave faithful priests wondering why our Lord had to bother in the first place. Why go through all that? There's no sinners here. And sadly, for 50 years, shepherds have failed to teach that our Lord had to go through that hell to pay the price for the gravity, the gravity of our sins, not in little impatience here and there. No. He endured the gravity of our sins by extending his arms like that mother hen to offer us his mercy. He went through his suffering and death to be the savior from our sins. So let us understand that when we earnestly enter into confession, we give him the gift of joy of being our savior. That's why he came. As always, you don't have to take my word for the joy. Jesus said, quote, I tell you in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous ones not in need of repentance. Along those lines, dear family, there is one unforgivable sin, one sin alone he will not forgive, and that is the sin we do not confess. But how can we ever grasp that concept when theologians and shepherds of the Catholic Church, like von Balthasar and Bishop Barron, feed the sheep such tripe as, dare we hope everyone goes to heaven? Dear family, all sins are forgiven except the sins we don't confess. Which is why the denial of our sinfulness, like those two, is so damnable. It risks so many eternal souls. It lulls people into a very false sense of security. Again, don't take my word for it. Jesus said it directly to the self-righteous Pharisees. Remember, remember the conversation he had with them. Some of the Pharisees said to him, Surely we are not all so blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you are saying we see. 
So your sin remains. The Pharisees did not know they were sinners. And get this straight, they had no excuse for not knowing they were sinners. And that is why our Lord, divine mercy himself, held their sins bound. Now's a good time to share with you something you would not know. While I'm preparing these meditations, whenever I'm quoting some great and glorious words from sacred scripture or from such saints as Saint Faustina, I make it in red on the page. And well, red is my favorite color, but it also stands out on the page. And it brings joy to me when it comes time during these meditations to read the words in red. I mean, there's a point to this, by the way. I'm not just rambling off on my favorite color. The fact is that while I was preparing this meditation, it came time to include the words of those Pharisees. Surely we are also, we are not also blind, are we? And I could not bring myself to make those words red. I could not make them red because those words spoken by the Pharisees are pure evil. It is why our Lord said, so your sin remains. So I have a choice, dear family, to trust in Jesus as he told us to. Trust that he loves us. Trust that he wants to forgive us. Trust that he does want to gather us to himself like a mother hand gathers her brood or not. Or not. Instead, be a doubter, as people like to characterize St. Thomas in today's gospel. So we do, do we mean it when we say, Jesus, I trust in you? Or are we just pretending? But a family, let us recognize the pretenders amongst us by what they say and do. Recognize them so that we can practice harder to be forgiven believers and not the unforgiven, sins-held-bound Pharisees in our day. And so let us be absolutely crystal clear on who they are by using examples, as our Lord did, one of a holy priest who actually trusts in Jesus and the other yet another bishop who trusts in adulterated godless science side by side they represent the truth and the lie salvation and damnation heaven and hell well, as to the holy priest I I can't count the number of people who forwarded this to me a YouTube video of a holy priest who trusts in Jesus it was just a short clip. It was less than three minutes long. Maybe some of you are thinking I should take some lessons from that priest. In this short three minutes, less than three minutes, the holy priest brings out a chair, sits down, and then goes through this incredible heartfelt apology to his people. He began to explain his apology by saying, in essence, that he represents, as a priest, he represents the Catholic Church. And then he asked forgiveness for having left the people, quote, without the Eucharist for many weeks last year. He then said, quote, many of you, in the most difficult moments of the pandemic, turned to your father for bread and we gave you a stone we failed you by denying you the only food that could sustain your hope we 
abandoned you when we should have been closest to you. For this, at this holy mass, I ask forgiveness. And then he continued, the worst thing is that I cannot assure you that such a thing will not happen again. Because as far as I know, now listen closely to what he says. Because as far as I know, I have not heard anyone, he's talking about the bishops, I have not heard anyone express regret for what happened. And then he wraps it up this way. What I can promise you is that, is that I will never again be a party to something similar. And that if obedience places me in such a situation again, I will withdraw so as not to be responsible and a guilty party to, to something that even today weighs on my conscience as the act of which I am most ashamed in my entire life. Him that apology, that priest's holy, holy words, you can see, they are written in red and bolded on my page. If he had any fault, and I doubt it, for the debacle foisted upon his faithful by his particular bishop, he had the decency to say, I'm sorry. Amen, I say to you, he received divine mercy. But what about the many about whom he so staggeringly stated, I have not heard anyone express regret for what happened. As for them, dear family, let us understand the words of Jesus the Lord to the Pharisees apply to them in spades. If you were blind... You would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. So let's talk about one particular, now we're going to get the opposite example. Let's talk about one particularly blind Pharisee of our day. LifeSite News reports, I think people send me this stuff just to get me riled up. Lysite News reports that the first bishop in the United States to cancel all public masses a year ago was Bishop Anthony B. Taylor of Little Rock, Arkansas. As reported on Lysite News, Bishop Taylor issued letters in March 2020 canceling masses and non-essential gatherings, including confirmations. As well, he said that the sacraments of anointing of the sick, including those who were ill with coronavirus and at the time thought they might die, was to be withheld. Your family, what kind of father? What kind of father won't Feed 
his dying child. What kind of father? Bishop Taylor represents exactly the kind of shepherd for which that holy priest apologized and said, the worst thing is I cannot assure you that such a thing will not happen again because as far as I know, I have not heard anyone express regret. Bishop Taylor then has now issued a letter to parishioners in, di in his diocese dated March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation, outlining new COVID protocols to be implemented in his parishes under his discretion direction, beginning with Holy Thursday, the sacred triduum, my God in heaven. He committed sacrilege against the Annunciation and against the sacred triduum again. He's now barred lay people from delivering communion to the sick. And choir members can't sing in mass unless they are fully vaccinated. That's his word. With this experimental coronavirus injection. And even after, he also still requires everybody to wear masks. If it worked, dear family, there would never be another mask ever. And he said, no communion during Mass. He said, communion during Mass can only be distributed in, in the hand, not on the tongue. Apparently, Bishop Taylor, ignorant and uninformed Bishop Taylor, has a recommend for the Catholic Medical Association in America and in Italy previously stated that communion on the tongue actually was safer and that there is no determinative science whatsoever that suggests or proves communion on the hand is safer. And as you know, dear family, you know this, you hear. And I've said it many times. I find articles of the Holy Eucharist on the service path after distribution of Holy Communion, which means that there are particles of the Holy Eucharist on the hands of those people who receive in the hand. And I told you that as a teenager, I saw my mother forced, forced to receive on the hand. Whether her choice. And after she did, she licked the palm of her hands because she wanted to be sure that she did not commit sacrilege against the real presence of our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So I have a question for Bishop Taylor, he being the first bishop to cancel public holy masses and refuse to feed his children. Now requires the injection of an experimental drug into our temples of the Holy Spirit. I have a question. Do you, Mr. Taylor, require those people who receive in the hand to lick their palms afterward, to purify their hands as I purify the sacred vessels at the altar, so as not to commit sacrilege against the real presence? Do you require them, Bishop Taylor, to lick their palms, or is that just too gross and disgusting? Because their palms are dirty and germane. But if that is the case, Bishop Taylor, then why are you requiring, contrary to the universal law of the church, that the faithful only receive Jesus, the Lord, 
It's a dirty and germane hands. Westside also reports that in his latest directive, Bishop Taylor wrote, choirs can be permitted only when all members have been vaccinated and preferably wearing masks. Listen to your family, if the injection actually works, I said a minute ago, then no mask would be required, but it does not, dear family. In fact, it is not a vaccine, it is an injection. Not of a lesser version of the illness, but an experimental use of a genetic altering substance. It is not a vaccine, and the use of that word bears false witness to the truth and possibly endangers the mortal lives of so many. That's the eighth commandment of the For the record, all three injections currently authorized for use in the United States by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson are labeled experimental. There's no science of any kind that takes them out of the category experimental. Clinical trials are ongoing, but obviously they are completely incomplete. My understanding is that normally it's at least a two-year process of experimenting on a few, and then and only then might a medicine get approved as something other than merely experimental. Therefore, as has been the case since the first needle injected something into somebody's arm, these injections have been granted, quote, only emergency use authorization, EUA status only. Experiment only. EUA status is distinct from being approved or licensed vaccinations, and as such, cannot be by law mandated by public or private entities. Injection have a bishop of the Catholic Church insisting that Catholics take an, take an experimental genetic altering substance into the temples of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder how that makes the people of that diocese feel, that they're being strong-armed into being part of an experiment. How does it make it easy? You see that in our life outside the church, or even inside the church. You see where they want to start segregating people, vaccinated and not vaccinated, whenever it's not a vaccine. How, how can anyone have a mindset that that's even remotely possible? Your family have really priests who apologize for not eating his children. I was talking about the likes of that bishop in Little Rock. And Jesus was talking about them too, these modern-day Pharisees, when he said, if you were blind, you had no sin. But now you're saying, oh, we see. So your sin remains. Family, we'll take Gregory the Great, spoke thusly about 1,400 years ago, about the cowardice among clergymen. Pastors who like foresight hesitate to say openly what is right because they fear losing the favor of men. See, if I turn into a coward on any given day, you throw me out of here. I mean, I don't deserve to stand up here in this ball and be a five, be a shepherd, that guides you the truth. If I'm afraid to speak the truth, just get rid of me. You'd be doing me a favor. Remember, Millstone is a favor to those who lead the land astray. The 
St. Augustine's called blessing about the damnable failure of such shepherds to be shepherds. He said, St. Augustine, this is like 1600 years ago, he said, but what sort of shepherds are they who fear giving offense? Not, not only fail to prepare the sheep for the temptations that threaten, but even promise them worldly happiness. Here's a promise of worldly happiness. Here, take the injection, take the vaccine, and be able to travel again, go to the grocery stores. Here, take it, you surely will not die. When was the last time you heard that? Finally, St. Maximilian Colby said this about any duty to obey that shepherd. He said, A superior may, it is true, make a mistake. But it is impossible for us to be mistaken in obeying the superior's commandment. So good so far. But why should this saint, this martyred saint, give his life for another in Auschwitz? Listen closely to what he said. The only exception to this rule is the case of a superior commanding something that, in even the slightest way, would contravene God's law. Such a superior would not be conveying God's will. And so it is with any shepherd of the church who demands and insists upon you being part of an experiment by taking something into your encounter of the Holy Spirit. Attendance is Divine Mercy Sunday, and Divine Mercy is available to anyone who comes defines mercy, and it is instructed to us that the Pharisees in our Lord's day did not. Deserved damnation awaits for those unrepentant who stand in the way of the faithful, who deny access to the sacraments of grace, and who, through incomprehensible abuse of authority, even go so far as to require rejections of experimental drugs. Bless your family. Stay faithful, no matter. And in these dangerous days of persecution from outside the church, of course, Jesus promised us that Jesus, the Lord, they hated me, they're going to hate you, they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. He's been promised. But in these dangerous days, there's persecution even within the church. Let us seek out, seek and find us, our Lord promised, those shepherds who actually tend to the needs of their flock. And as for those who do not, as for those who abandon so many, deny them the Eucharist. Deny them by acting as they lay dying. Let us abandon them as they abandon us. Abandon them by our feet and by our pocketbooks as we seek out faithful bishops, faithful priests, faithful parishes, where our eternal souls actually are considered essential, and where divine mercy is the focus. Now, what you all your family, as you open your hearts to His mercy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.